abilities and your talents to help us as we get to sing about the Lord and to the Lord. If you're able to remain standing just for a a bit longer, take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 119. This morning, we're going to look at verses 57 through 64, the next eight-verse unit of our psalm. Uh, I believe that um, if you would take, um, uh, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, there's one in the pew in front of you. If you take that and turn to page 513, that would also get you to Psalm 119, verse 57. These are God's words for us this morning. And uh, here's what God says. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word, for there is no word like your word. It's not only true, it's good, it's beautiful. And as the psalmist had already said earlier in this psalm, open our eyes so that while we listen, while I preach, that the things that you have for us through this segment, by your Spirit, would fall upon our hearts And that you would work change into our lives. That we would see you and your Son more clearly. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're thinking through Psalm 119. We'll we'll go up through the end of November. That'll get us about halfway through. And we'll stop and do something different in December. And then in January, Lord willing, we'll, we'll... Pick up the second half of Psalm 119. We're we're looking at this psalm eight verses at a time because that's just the the natural structural unit of how Psalm 119 breaks apart. And what Psalm 19 is doing for us is it's showing us, I hope impressing upon our hearts the functional and the practical relevance of the Word of God in the life of a follower of Christ. looking at it from different angles and aspects and vantage points. And and each of these eight-verse units has its own emphases and features to it. So for this unit, verses 57 through 64, where I want you to take your eyes, first of all, is I want you to see the first verse, verse 57, and the last verse, verse 64. And I want you to see that these two verses say something very... um, Foundational. They are two anchor statements about the 
abiding presence of the Lord in the life of a follower of Christ. And so verse 57 and verse 64 are a bit of a, they bracket our unit here. And, uh, and as this passage unfolds, the, 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 the first bracket there in verse 57, the first part of verse 57, where he says, the Lord is my portion, what flows out of that down through verse 60 are the implications that, that, that stem from the Lord is my portion. And then picking up in verse 61, uh, if you would, uh, working backwards, starting with verse 64, where he says, the earth is full, O Lord, of your steadfast love. Both of those are parallel to each other. The Lord is my portion. In other words, the quick and skinny version of that is when he says the Lord is my portion is, God, you are my everything. And then when he says in verse 64 with the, uh, the, 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 the whole earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love, he's saying, and God, you are with me everywhere. And the verses in between work out some of the implications of the premise, God, you are my everything, and God, you are with me everywhere. In fact, that's, that's the two points I want us to think through. Verses 57 through 60 uh, say something of the, the presence of the Lord and His Word. And then in verses 61 to 64, the presence of the Lord and His world. Look at these one at a time. Let's look more closely at that simple statement. Boy, boy, if this is not a packed full and beautiful statement, the Lord is my portion. Now, if you've ever read through the book of Joshua, there's where we really begin to see the picture of what he's hinting at with the Lord is my portion. In the book of Joshua, you know, they've entered into the promised land and, and, uh, as, as the 12 tribes, and, and now it begins the, 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 the task of, uh, of, of dividing up the land according to the, the portions of the tribes and the portions of the clans and the, and the inheritance of the people. And, 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 and since the book of Joshua is much about how the Lord is giving to Israel uh, that land, it will be their portion, it will be their inheritance. And yet even in the midst of that, when he gets to the tribe of Levi, the Levites... Uh, they don't get a piece of real estate as such. We're, we're told in no- Numbers 18.20, the Lord says to the Levites, I am your portion. I am your inheritance. You don't get no land. You get me. Ah. Now, now, fast forward, the, the psalmist here, it, we, we learned back in verse 19 that he's out of the land. That's why I keep on thinking, this is Daniel, or at least this illustrates Daniel's life as a, as a person in exile. He, he, we're, we're told back in verse 19, the psalmist here is a sojourner. He's in exile in a foreign land, so he has no, he has, he has no tribal allotment to to plant his feet upon. What does he have? He's outside the land. He has the Lord as his portion. Psalm 16, which is one of my favorite psalms, 
the psalmist, I think it's David there, says, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup, and you hold my lot. You hold my lot, which is, an, which is a parallel word to portion or inheritance. Uh, isn't it interesting how we often use the term lot? We think, oh, man, I've got to go to Thanksgiving this, um, this year with my brother-in-law. Oh, well, that's just my lot in life. I mean, we, 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 depict the, we depict lot as a negative term. That just is, This is kind of the bad end of the stick that the Lord has given to me, you know. Um, but that's not how the word lot is used in the Scriptures. The lot is, is analogous to the notion of portion or inheritance. That the, the, the Lord is our lot. This is, a lot is not just a bad uh, karma that we have in life, that, but that the Lord is our lot. The Lord is our portion. The Lord is our inheritance. That's why the psalmist goes on in Psalm 16 where he says, the Lord, you, you, are, you hold my lot. Uh, my, the, the, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant Places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. We don't get the short end of the stick. Those who belong to the Lord, we get to lay claim to this beautiful reality that the Lord Himself, we possess His very presence with us. We get the Lord. Yes, the Lord gives us lots of things, but that's how we can even sing that second song. You give and you take away. Blessed be the Lord. You give us lots of things, and we live in a very well-to-do county, and and that's a wonderful blessing from the hand of the Lord. And and if, if the Lord shall keep those things upon us, blessed be the Lord. But if the Lord should take those things from us, oh Lord, take it all, but don't take your presence from us. And then as you motor your way through here in the second part of verse 57 down through 60, that this first unit is, uh, this first segment of this unit is the presence of the Lord and His Word. And really what you see, and of course you expect this from Psalm 119, is what is the role of God's Word in our lives as we experience the abiding presence of the Lord in our lives? And this is, it's really important that we keep striving to connect the dots, because sometimes we want to take the notion of the presence of the Lord, and uh, we want that, and boy, we should want that. But somehow we could justify in our brain how we might figure out a concoction or a way that we could experience the presence of the Lord and untether that concept or experience from the word of the Lord. And that's where, just from another angle, Psalm 119 is so helpful. Ah, 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 ah. You can't do that. You can't say, presence of the Lord, sign me up, I'll take two. Experiencing the presence of the Lord through the word of the Lord, man, I'm busy. I didn't got time for the word. I mean, I don't mean that to cut us or just to be harsh about it, but... 
we, but we, we can't play silly conceptual games where we think, I want the presence of the Lord in my life. I just don't have any time or motivation or interest to engage in the word of the Lord in my life. We, we can't do that. Psalm 119 says, huh? Because all that stems from, the Lord, you are my portion. Look at the second part of verse 57 where he says, I promise to keep your words. And then what does it say in in verse 58? I entreat your favor with all my heart. In other words, I seek you, Lord. I want to keep your word because I want to seek you. Be gracious to me, Verse second part of verse 58, according to your promise. So, Lord, I, 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 I promise to keep your word because I want to seek you. So, Lord, give me the grace. That, that, that I will uphold my promise. And, and really what he's saying here, a play on words where he says in verse 57, I promise to, to keep your word. And then he says, be gracious to me, the end of verse 58, according to your promises. Do you see the connection here? Our promise to God is predicated upon, rooted in, grounded in God's promises to us. Oh, we love God. Because he first loved us. We have a sense to know, man, I gotta pay attention to what God says, and I need to I need to keep. I need to I promise to keep his word. Why would we promise to keep his word? Because we know there is life, there is joy, there is strength, there is hope, there is peace, there is happiness in all of the promises of God's word. And so I promise to keep that word. Why would I promise to keep that word? I'm convinced it's the best word. No better word than the word of God's promises. I ain't no fool. I'd be a fool if I say, now, this is the best promises in the world, but nah, I'm going to settle for secondary promises and lesser promises. You say, you crazy? I hope I'm not. And one of the ways I could suggest that I am not is I would say superior promises. I promise to keep superior promises. I promise to pursue superior promises. I promise to orient my life to superior promises. I promise to to seek the God who gives these better promises. I ask for the grace of God to aid me in pursuing these superior promises. In fact, I think this, again, if this is Daniel, um, one of the things that we're told in the book of Daniel is, um, Pastor Carl, when we got started, he read to us from the book of Lamentations. I don't know if you caught it, but toward the very end of that reading, verse 24, verse 25, he says, the Lord is my Portion, good guess, yeah. It, it's, that's what it is, though, in this case, yeah. The Lord is my portion. And, and so Jeremiah, in the book of Lamentations, is expressing that the Lord is his portion. What we're told in the book of Daniel is that Daniel actually had the, 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 the words, the, the book of Jeremiah. Now, again, maybe a stretch. Maybe he didn't have Lamentations. Maybe he just had the book of Jeremiah. But maybe he had the whole kit and caboodle. And, and so, in other words, so Daniel is saying, Lord, you are my portion. And he just plagiarized that from Jeremiah. I mean that in a good way. I mean that, that you know how you and I learn that the Lord is our portion? It's an open book test. We, we, we have the book, and the book shows us, behold our God. Behold, this is who he is. Behold, this is the kind of God he is. Behold, this is what he is to his people. 
I'm like, really? Yeah. We learn these things, and that's why, that's why we don't say, oh boy, here's Joe again telling us we've got to get into the Word this week. You know, it's like a broken record. Yeah. Well, okay, we could look at it that way. Well, because it's like, behold the wonderful things that God reveals to us. No other book does what this book does. No other book has the claim that it's straight from God through, through human agency, but even those human agents wrote down exactly how the Spirit of God uh, moved them to write down so that, so that the very words they wrote down were simultaneously their words and God's words. No, no other book can lay claim to that. And so we seek the Lord. We seek Him through His Word so the psalmist, in essence, in this first movement says, when he says, the Lord is my portion, he says, Lord, you are all I want. You are all I need. Verse 59, the first part, he says this, when I think on my ways... Now, be careful here. Some of us are too circumspectful. Some of us analyze our navel too much, and we become paralyzed with that. But others of us perhaps don't spend a proper amount of time evaluating the operations of our heart, the direction of our lives the things that give us delight and joy, the, the things that make us mad and sad. Our emotions are just wonderful barometric indicators as to the posture of our heart before the Lord. So the psalmist, as he seeks the Lord, as he lives in the reality that the Lord is his portion, he also stops and evaluates and says, is that really true or am I just preaching here on Sunday? Oh, this, this is the easy part for, for, for me to stand before us and say, the Lord is all I want, the Lord is all I need. The challenging part for you and I is after the sermon's done, the sermon must be done. In other words, you and I have to live it out, that we live out a life that exemplifies the Lord is my portion. And that requires us at moments to stop and think about the way we are living how we are in, investing our time and our resources and our gifts and our finances. And so he comes back around at the end of verse 59 and verse 60 and just says, I, 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 I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. There obviously are some this week, if not, if, and if it's not our turn this week, it'll be your turn next week, that, that, that right now you know what the Lord wants you to do. You know what God's Word has spoken to you about doing, and you are delaying that. You are, you are, you are dragging your feet. And 
And I, I mention that, I point that out, just to not to inflict some sort of guilt on any of us, because guilt is really not a lasting cause for true change. But you see, the Word of God is the means by which we experience the presence of God in our lives. And when you and I hear the directions of God's Word and we, we um, hasten and delay implementing God's Word in my life, what gets muted from our experience is living in the joy of, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is what I want. The Lord is what I need. Let's not hasten. He gives us the grace this morning to do everything he instructs us to do from his word. Second thing I want to say is not only is the Lord everything to us, but then in the second half, from verse 61 to 64, he in essence um, shifts slightly uh, from talking about the, uh, some of the personal notions of living in the presence of God as it pertains to God's words to living in some of the present realities of living in the presence of God. So he shifts from, Lord, you are everything to me, to what he begins with in verse 64, where he says there, the earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Lord, you are everything to me, and Lord, you are everywhere with me. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be a tragedy that if the Lord was everything to us, and yet he was a localized deity, he only resided in certain regions? I mean, you couldn't take him beyond these borders. Well, I got to go to this county next week. Well, good luck with that because the Lord ain't over there. No, this is so beautiful that the Lord who is to be everything to us is always everywhere with us. It's the guiding control thought in verses 61 to 64. And yet, to remind you again, I think I I mentioned this just briefly the the week before last, where he says there in verse 64, the earth, O Lord, now remember what it did it again, it did it again, it's capital, it's large capital L, and then it's the rest of the, the word Lord is all in caps as well. O-R-D. So in other words, this is not just a generic title of like master or king or lord in that generic sense, but, but this is the term lord, which is actually Yahweh, the very name of God that he reserves for his covenant people. And you see that again where the, the earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. That, 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 that term steadfast love there is again a covenantal term. That's the term that describes the depths and the degree of loyalty and devotion and affection that God has for his people. It, this, is, this is God saying, you can call me Yahweh. Because we are in covenant relationship with each other. No, 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 no one else better use that name. That's a personal name. You can call me Yahweh because we are in covenant with each other. And therefore, you are always and only the recipient of my uh, devotion and affection and loyalty. It's unbreakable. Remember, I said a couple weeks ago the Lord doesn't do casual relationships. 
The Lord doesn't do casual. He, he, he's, and the good news of that is he's never fickled. He's never superficial in his relationship with his people. He is Yahweh who displays chesed, steadfast love and faithfulness and loyalty to his people. And in that context then, you're not going to believe this. Well, you better believe it. It's in the word. But not only is the Lord our portion... But being in a covenant relationship with the Lord, it actually cuts the other way around as well. Not only do we get to say, the Lord is my portion, that's verse 57, but really with the language of verse 64, the earth, O Lord, O Yahweh, is full of your devotion and your affection and your loyalty to your covenant people. Really what the Lord is saying is what he said to Israel in Deuteronomy 32.9, where he says, the Lord's, the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, his allotted inheritance. So verse 57, in essence, says, Lord, you are my portion. The implication of verse 64 is the Lord saying, you are my portion. You you are the one who gets to call me Yahweh. I've brought you into relationship with me. You are the one who gets to experience my steadfast love. That is my devotion, my loyalty, my affection. And that's really what he says in Deuteronomy 32.10. Speaking of of his people, he says, but... um, um, for, for, for the Lord encircles his people. Uh, he cares for his people. And he keeps his people as the apple of his eye. I mean, that's full. That, no, it's, this, is, this is so beautiful. It's not to say, boy, the Lord is my portion. And the Lord's like, yeah, but these people drive me crazy. We're like, oh, man, I thought I thought we really had something going here, you know. Uh, I, I mean, I just really felt like the Lord was to be everything to me, and as it turns out, I'm nothing to the Lord. No, we, the Lord is everything to us, and guess what? We are everything to the Lord. Yes. Yes. Does that, does that not reset our week? The Lord is our portion, and, and we are his portion. We, we, we get to call him Yahweh. We get to call him by on a first-name basis. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but we, we live in the whole sphere of his devotion and loyalty and affection. Now, that's in the context of, well, not everything is lily white. Look at what he says in verse 61, though the cords of the wicked ensnare me. And it, literally, the imagery here is of cords ensnaring us is of a hunter who's got a hold of his, of his prey, and, and, and his prey is in his grips, and so that hunted thing is going down. So, that, so it's a realistic reality that we live in a world in which everything ain't uh, altogether pleasant and sweet. I mean, we're, we're, we were told earlier in this psalm that, that, there were, that as a sojourner, people were holding him in contempt and, and despising him, that princes, people in authority were plotting against him. 
And then in verse 63, he also has companions. I am a companion with all who fear you, those who keep your precepts. So I live in the world, and guess what? They would love to, they would, they would, they would love to trap me and to devour me like a hunter uh, circling an, an animal. And, and yet the Lord provides companions who have a similar interest to say, I'm okay with the Lord being my portion. In fact, I'm quite happy with that. I, I, I'm okay to be surrounded by the people that the Lord has put around me that, that have a same bent to their heart. All who live with the Lord as their portion and who, who want to experience the Lord through His Word. So the psalmist then in verse 62, at midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. Lord, you are with me everywhere. I don't care how late at night it is. In the middle of the night, you are with me. You are my portion and I am your portion. And that resets how I see you, how I see me, how I see the world around us. Think about that. Think about that this week. This week is an important week in the life of our nation. We get to vote for a president. So every four years, we, we get to like um, have our blood pressure shoot way up because we're not sure how this thing's going to turn out. And, and uh, we, we get to work ourselves up to you know, frenzy. We get to, to um, uh, just come unglued, potentially. And, and look, these things matter. I, 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 I'm I will, I will purposely go vote this Tuesday, I, and, I, my, and I will vote based upon a combination of personal opinion and biblical convictions, and so we must do that. These things matter, and yet step back for a moment. I don't know what will happen Tuesday night. You don't know what will happen Tuesday night. In fact, we won't know maybe what will happen for weeks after Tuesday night, and yet we can know this. The Lord is my portion. And we are the Lord's portion. That doesn't mean that it doesn't matter what happens Tuesday, but it does mean that you and I operate in a whole nother realm of existence. And guess what? This present realm of existence where we get the Lord as our portion and the Lord has us as his, his portion, uh, that, that certainly has its complications living in a fallen world at this present moment, living in a world in which even our own hearts can still be so um, allured and enticed. We can still be in, 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 ensnared by the cords of the wicked. Uh, but this present moment of having the Lord as our portion and, having, and us being the, the Lord's portion, guess what, folks? This whole sweet relationship is due for a major upgrade. A time will come when the clouds will open and on his thigh is tattooed King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And when he's finished doing his business uh, of placing those who would like to ensnare us, when he's finished placing them into the lake of fire, we will, this is what's promised for us. We will dwell in his presence. He says, this is what you guys will get to brag about. 
I will be your God and you will be my people. There will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more sin. The Lord is our portion today. And we are the Lord's portion today. But we ain't seen the half of it. And we live in that, as Pastor Carl defined hope for us last week. We live in that, not just simply, oh boy, I hope it turns out that way. We live in that confident expectation. So, Father, we praise you. We praise you that all of these things come to us through the covenant that your son Jesus established through his shed blood that you raised him from the dead, declared him to be Lord. He is now the mediator of this new covenant between God and man and all who are trusting in Jesus. And so, Father, we are your grateful people this day. Yes, we still struggle with lots of things. We are still even anxious of the outcome of things this week. But, Lord, by your Spirit, may what shapes us this week is the simple truths that you, you are our portion. And we are your portion. Thank you. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Let's stand and sing in response.